Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. everything and we're going to talk about that today he's king and he's got a kingdom you may be seated another terrible tragedy you probably already saw it or heard it as taking place another airline that's went down. Everybody, as far as we know, that was on board were killed. Uh, I think I'm probably mistaken now, but over 150, I believe, flying from uh, one place to another, of course. And uh, several or some were Americans on board the ship. So there's tragedy everywhere. Terrible tornado. It's this awesome in one family, I think they said seven out of one family was killed in that horrendous uh, tornado that swept through Alabama and Georgia. Thank God for Medora. We fuss because we get a little bit of snow and get a little cold and get a little bit whole, get a whole lot of rain. But thank God for His blessings. We're in His house today, and what a what a comfort that is. What the feeling of uh, security feeling of protection the Lord's in this place the Lord's in this place I was talking to a young man yesterday and was having problems and I told him I said what you need to do is come to church if you want to you know if you want to get your problems straightened out come to church get your life straightened out and then your problems will get straightened out because he is he is a problem solver a problem solver Amen. We're living in a very confusing world. A lot of problems that are going on all around us as we're aware of. Uh, I don't know if I've ever, I haven't experienced in my 49 plus years so much chaos, so much confusion, uh, so much hatred, bitterness uh, against people and uh trying to make a racial uh, race out of everything that's being said, it seems like. I want to talk to you today uh, about the conditions and situations and, and about the fact that it's comforting to know, reassuring to know that we're safe. We are safe. I don't care what the world is doing. We are safe. And we know that God's in control and he's, he's, it's in his hand, even those times and conditions when it seems like, Lord, where are you? He's right here. He's right here. I looked back, and uh, as Pastor asked me to talk this morning, my mind went to the book of Daniel and the conditions that they were living in at that time. Uh, if anybody had, a, I guess, an excuse to be sad and down and out and feel rejected and neglected. It was the people of Israel. Daniel and his friends were taken captive among the first that were taken by Nebuchadnezzar to uh, Babylon. 
because they were they were the princes, they were the unique uh, individuals that were in the kingdom, and there they were taken captive, taken away from their homeland, taken away from their temple, taken away from their people, and there they are in in Babylon. Remember the psalm that says, "There we sat by the river of Babylon. There we sat." And they that carried us captive required of us a song. We hung our harps on the willows. And we said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? It was a very uh, depressing thing. And I liken that somewhat or a lot to people like the Jews. How could they have felt during the terrible uh, times of Hitler and their uh, massacre, destruction, death of all the six million Jews plus millions of others. The Jews were not the only ones that were burned in those concentration camps, ovens. But all of these, you know, we we can feel neglected. We can feel left out. We can feel like, Lord, where are you? Maybe you're sick. You want your healing and you don't get your healing yet. You got problems. You can't find the solution to your problems. So sometimes we feel like, where are you, God? Where are you, God? But it may be a valley you're going through. It may be a trial of your faith. God may be trying you to see what you're going to do. And none of us, I don't care what we have been through, none of us have been through what the Apostle Paul went through. None of us have been through what Daniel went through. None of us were in those, have been through those particular conditions. So we're not going to compare scars this morning as to what we have endured but anyway, Daniel uh, and his three friends, uh, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were faithful to God in the, in the time of, uh, it looked like, complete, bitter, and lasting defeat. They held true. You know the story. It's familiar. We're not telling you anything new or different. But when they were told to drink the king's wine or eat the king's meat or food, they said, no, we're not going to. Even at the threat of death or whatever, we're not going to. And then Daniel made an interesting request of those that were over him, he that was over them, and he said, just prove us. Just give us a period of time. Just feed us this, this soup or whatever for a period of these vegetables. Just feed us that. For a period of time, and at the end of the month or year, a period of time, look at us then. And of course, you know again the story. When the time was up, they were healthier, they were stronger, they were wiser than all those that had uh, drunk the king's wine and eaten his uh, goulash. But the Bible tells us, which to me is a very interesting thing and makes me want to scratch my head once in a while. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, the great king at that time that was over Babylon and was the one that was responsible for uh, taking captive all the people of Israel, destroying the city of Jerusalem, destroying the temple, robbing the temple, stripping the temple of all of its values, valuable gold and silver and whatever. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was the man. But yet God called him my servant. That's interesting. My servant. My servant. And such a, such a, he was a very idolatrous man. 
very idolatrous. All we need to do is turn to chapter 3 and where he built that big old image and said, everybody's going to bow to my image, which emphasizes the fact that he was certainly very idolatrous. But where we're going to home in a little bit here today is he had a dream. It was a tremendous dream, a scary dream that uh, the Lord gave him. Again, can you imagine? Can you imagine the Lord giving a dream to some of these politicians? <laughs> I think myself, he needs to get him a, give him a nightmare. But anyway, Lord, forgive me. But uh, he gave this wicked, idolatrous king a dream. But the problem was the poor king couldn't remember what it was. It was so disturbing, it had him upset tr tremendously. He was, he was frightened because he had this dream. He knew he had it, but he couldn't remember what it was. So he calls all these wise fellows in, astrologers and soothsayers and magicians and whatever, and he said, fellas, looky here. I had a dream, but I don't know what it is. don't know what it was. But I want you to tell me what my dream was, and then I want you to tell me what it, what it means. And, and then <laughs> to add insult to injury, he said, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill every one of you. And he was king, so he could do it. But Daniel got a hold of the news, terrible news, and he somehow had influence with the king, and he said, give us, give us some time, and God will reveal it. Thank God for confidence that we know that God's in control and he's going to work things out. So anyway, the king gave Daniel and Azariah and Michelle and Hananiah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he gave them time to pray. And as they were praying and seeking God for the answer, God gave uh, Daniel uh, the dream and then gave him the interpretation. And the interpretation, the, the dream and the interpretation, again, which to me is quite interesting, is the fact that God gave to this king a dream that consisted of a prophet, the prophecies for the rest of the world the rest of the fullness of the time of the Gentiles, if you will. God gave this king that, that dream, and he gave Daniel, his man, the interpretation, gave him the dream and gave him the interpretation. And, and this is where we find in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse, beginning with verse 36. Uh, this is the dream, Daniel says, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art the king of kings, for the God of heaven, listen to that, God, the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom. Oh, I thought I got it myself. No, God gave it to you. Oh, I thought we voted him in. No, God gave it to him. Power and strength and glory, and wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the, of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, hath made thee rule over them all. Thou art this head of gold. This image was was a huge, humongous image that had a head of gold, a shoulder and arms of, of silver and thighs and whatever, thigh of brass and legs of iron down to the toes. But anyway, God, Daniel says, Thou, Nebuchadnezzar, thou art this head of gold, and after thee shall arise another kingdom that's inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, 
And as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay, part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it the strength of the iron, forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong, partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So again, God showed, that, showed through a dream uh, this future, the future of, of humanity, I guess we could say, and gave to his man, Daniel, the dream and the interpretation of the dream. A dream. And it consisted of four kingdoms or four empires or four powers that would control, as it were, the entire world and humanity. And, of course, that would be Babylon, and then the arms would be Medo-Persia Empire, two, two together, if you will, the twins. And the thighs would be the Grecian Empire, and the legs would be Rome. The last kingdom, uh, Daniel said, would be different than all the others. The last kingdom. The king's dream consisted of only only four metals, four different empires, four different kingdoms. And during the Babylonian kingdom was when Israel was taken captive. Uh, Daniel and his friends, along with many others, were taken captive. Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed, raised, if you will. And you know the story of Nehemiah and Ezra in rebuilding it. And that the people of Israel taken uh, into Babylonian captivity where they remained for 70 long years. And while they were, re, uh, were allowed to return during the reign of uh, Darius and Cyrus, the Medo-Persian Empire rulers, they were privileged to return to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple and rebuild the walls. But uh, they would never, never experience the kingdom that they once knew before uh, captivity. They'd never have a king again. They still have no king. And they won't have a king until the king of kings comes to rule and reign over them. It's in the making. It's in the plan of God. It's in the word of God. The king is coming. To them, he's the king. He's already our king. We're already in a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. We have been born into this kingdom through baptism in his name and the infilling of his spirit. And we are part of God's kingdom already. But the Jew is looking for a physical kingdom, and it's coming. But they're going to go through a lot more trouble before it arise, arrives. The third kingdom was the Grecian Empire, and this was a horrible time. This was a time during the period which that old fellow by the name of Antiochus, at least that's the way I pronounce it, Antiochus Epiphanes was in authority, shall we say. He hated the Jews. He hated their religion. He hated their worship. He brought a sow into the temple and sacrificed it on their altar and tried to make them observe their his religion, if you will. It was during the time of the Maccabeans, which they rose up against O Epiphanes. But it was a very difficult time during that period of time. And then the fourth kingdom that came into existence that overthrew the Grecian Empire 
was the Roman Empire, and it was the Romans that were in control when Jesus was born. It was the Romans that crucified him on Calvary, although it was the Jews that demanded that he do so. They do so, and the Romans were in power and authority. Eventually, this fourth empire split together. Constantinople became one ruler part or headquarters, if you will, while Rome became the other. In the fourth century, the emperor of Rome, Constantine, tried to wed and did wed church and state together to make one entity, if you will, of the kingdom, and it became a religious entity, a religious power, and eventually, as you know as well, Rome eventually inserted and brought in so many different pagan customs and teachings into the into the quote-unquote religious Roman Empire. They eventually were able to bring into the, the uh, their uh, dogma, the Trinitarian uh, uh, method of baptism, Trinitarian dogma of the Godhead and so on. They brought a lot of other things in. The mass is pagan. You've seen these people with their ashes on their faces? That's pagan. It, the, the, again, the mass is pagan, purgatory is pagan, mariolatry is pagan, and on and on and on. We could go that had been added, was added by the, the Church of Rome. So by the fact that Daniel emphasized that the kingdom, he said, would eventually, uh, and the, may I say, back up here and say the two legs were representative of the division of the Roman Empire, which did divide. I don't remember the time or the century, but it did divide, and Constantinople became one of the headquarters or divisions while Rome was uh, the headquarters of the other division. But one of these days, and it's in the making now, the, uh, it, the, the arrival, if you will, or the arising of the Roman Empire is becoming more effective as the days go by. But Daniel emphasized he didn't stop with the legs. He went on down. The image, image went on and the interpretation went on down to the feet, to the, to the toes, even to the toes, ten toes that would be uh, uh, involved in this last day empire that would seek to control the world. John wrote about it in the book of Revelation. Remember in chapter 13 is where he spoke about the beast out of the sea, out of the masses of humanity. The beast that would arise with seven heads, ten crowns, and so on and so forth, which the world would wonder after. In chapter 17 of the book of, Dan of John's Revelation is where he speaks about and brings into these ten horns and these ten nations that would join allegiance with the man of sin or the beast, or the son of perdition, whatever you want to call him. They would join in allegiance with him in an effort. This is what it's all about. Power destroys. Ultimate pro, uh, power destroys. And, uh, oh, oh, don't let me go there. Yeah, let me go there. Some of the... Some of, the, some of the most frustrating, aggravating, disappointing things is some of these politicians. They'll lie today or they'll lie last week and they'll tell it different today and they'll tell it different tomorrow. They are liars. And you know what Revelation 21 and 8 says about liars, where they're going to wind up? But in one fellow some time ago, his name was Rockefeller, he said, we, the people, the common man, we don't know how to spend our money, so we got to decide it for them. I think I'm spending my money pretty good. I, and I, I pay my tithes, I give my offerings, and 
I even buy a, a well, anyway, hamburger once in a while. But anyway, uh, the king, now the king saw these four, this image with four different kinds of metals. But there's one thing the king did not see. The dream did not show him. It was not head of gold or arms of silver and thigh of brass and legs of iron. Daniel went because God showed Daniel something else. In the background, if you will, behind the ugly picture, there's something else. Be behind the activities of the devil and the lying politicians, there's something else in the making. And that's where we have our confidence, our hope, not trust in flesh, but trust in God. Not leaning on the arm of flesh, but leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus Christ. This church is not going down. It's going on until it goes up. Amen. So Daniel, notice in verses 44 and 45 of the book of Daniel, he describes something else that was not in the dream of the Nebuchadnezzar. He says, in the days of these kings, speaking of those all, when it's all finished, when it's all over with, down at the very toes, if you will, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Uh-huh. Oh, Nebi, you've had your kingdom. Darius and Cyrus, you've had your kingdom. Antiochus, Epiphanes, and whoever's in authority there, you've had your kingdom. Alexander the Great, you've had your kingdom. And, and Rome, with your leaders, if you will, and your Caesars, you've had your kingdom. But in the days of these kings, when it's all said and done, when it's all over with, if you will, the God of heaven is going to set up his kingdom. Mm, that's the king the kingdom I want to be a part of, and which shall, notice, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces, consume all these kingdoms, it shall stand forever, I like that part, for as much as thou sawest that the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, he wasn't born the natural way. He was born of a virgin, if you will. God created the sperm that went into the virgin. And it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall, what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain. The interpretation thereof is sure. Amen. It's certain and it's sure. Daniel let Nebuchadnezzar know that although these four kingdoms would be world-shaking kingdoms, they would be great power structures, but yet there would arise another one, and I'm, I'm excited about that other one, that last one. That's not part of that image. He's not part of the toes or the legs or the thighs or the arms, not even of the head of gold. It's a unique, separate kingdom from all of the others. After these four kingdoms have run their course, there's going to be a fourth kingdom, if you will, that's on its way. And I want to be a part of that one. I am a part of that one. Somebody read me something, will you? In the book of Rome, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, will somebody read that verse for me real good and loud and clear? Matthew 16 and 18. And will somebody turn to the book of John chapter 18 and verse 36 and read that verse of Scripture for me, please? And speaking about the kingdom, these first four kingdoms were 
and each one were destroyed by an invading kingdom. Remember in Daniel chapter 5 where Belshazzar, he was king at that time or co-king with his father, Nabonidus. But anyway, he threw a great big feast and he caused the vessels out of, that had been stolen from the temple to be brought out. They began to drink out of those golden vessels and praise the gods of gold and silver and whatever. And it was during that time, you remember, a finger, a hand, and a finger began to scratch on the plaster of the walls. And, and he got, he, 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 whoo. I can wish one or two politicians in that situation. His, he got so nervous and whatever, his knees began to smite together. He, he was concerning about what this means and that the, the queen, the old lady, her grandma, whatever, uh, she knew about it because she's still around when Daniel was involved, when grandpa had his dream. And so they called Daniel and he began to interpret many, many tiko yufarsim. And in one of that part said, you are weighed in the balances and you're found wanting. The, the uh, Medes and Persians were outside the Babylon was impregnable. They thought nobody can destroy it, but they did. In fact, it was so sudden and so quick and whatever that Belshazzar died that very night as they invaded. But anyway, let me, let me, let me I'm digressing. Matthew 16, 18, concerning this kingdom, Jesus said this. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what? <laughs> you believe we're safe? You believe our doctrine's safe? Believe our teaching's safe? You believe we know what we know we know? And we believe what we believe we believe? There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, through all, in all, and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not. Babylon was overthrown by an inferior power. And, and, and the Medes and Persians were overthrown by the, uh, Alexander the Great, an inferior power. And old Alec died at a young age in his 30s because he didn't have any more kingdoms to conquer. And his kingdom was divided by his four generals. And it was, it was destroyed by Rome. Rome divided in, in, again after a while. And it's, it's going down. It's going to rise. It's raise its dirty head. But it's going to go back down because the rightful king is coming. And in the book of John 18 and 36, what does it say? Listen to this, listen to this. Jesus is before Pilate. Pilate's questioning him. Pilate's trying to find an excuse or reason for letting him go. And he's examining him thoroughly or trying to. In the book of John chapter 18 and verse 36, it says, What, 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 my what? My kingdom, my kingdom. <laughs> I like that. Rome is the kingdom then. It's in power now. But Jesus, the rightful king, he says, my kingdom. This is Pilate who had asked him, what is truth? And he's also asked, are you a king? And Jesus answers, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not... From hence. Now, we, you and I, are getting into that era. I know we've heard it for years. 
And if the Lord tarries, we're here, here in a few more years. We don't know when the Lord's coming. I know we can hear and read about those 88 reasons why the Lord's going to come in 1988. Boy, he missed it. Or some of the others that have procrastinated about when the Lord's coming. We don't know when the Lord's coming. There is no prophecy in the Bible, no sign in the Bible concerning the church when we're leaving. There's plenty of signs for the Jews about the Lord's coming and what they're going to go through, but not the church because we are a spiritual body, not a natural physical body, if you will. We're a spiritual body. We're born into the kingdom by, by a spiritual birth. And when the Lord gets ready, when he's through with us, when the church has ran its course, we're going to leave here spiritually. By the Spirit, if you will, we're going to leave here. But anyway, Jesus said this church, this kingdom would never be destroyed. and It would not be given to another, uh, another people. But anyway, ooh, let me hurry. Uh, that's all the time I got left. Uh, you know, I hear these, the, these again, procrastinators. Don't you, don't you get tickled at this uh, Alexander Ocasio Cortez, or or this 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 other this other gal that uh, I thought I wrote her name down. Ilhan Omar, and what about that crazy Maxine, that Waters gal? She is so ugly. She is. And stupid. And that poor Pelosi thing. We're in a big mess, folks. And it's going to get messier. Uh, but anyway, it, it causes us, of course, causes people to wonder. And, and all these progress, you know, Ocasio says, uh, if we don't embrace this green thing, uh, we're going to die in 12. The world's going to, it's going to be destroyed in 12 years. Well, I could turn back into some books. I got my library in there where they pre prophesied back under in the 70s, we're going to die before the 20th century. We're still here. We're still here and so on. But I'm, I'm not putting, I'm not investing in Ocasio's securities nor Pelosi's either, but, uh, or Al's. They are so ignorant. All I have to do is read the last verse of Genesis chapter 8, and I know they don't know what they're talking about. Because God said, and I'm going to believe God, that this earth is going to stay around. There will be summer and winter, fall and spring, as long as the world lasts, and the world's going to last until he says it's enough. Uh-huh. So anyway. The Bible teaches us that God has a definite plan for this planet and and in our existence here. And this this world's not going, this globe is not going anywhere until the Lord says it's enough. And I know we read in Revelation about the terrible uh, things that are going to happen to this world in which uh, whatever's going to bring it about. And the Lord's going to eventually, it's going to be burned up. Peter tells us that in 2 Peter 3, that the earth and works therein shall be burned up. The heavens shall pass away with the great noise, the elements thereof, uh, with fervent heat and so on. 
But anyway, our, our trust is in him. We're not going to crawl in a hole somewhere and, and wait for the troubles to overwhelm us like some terrible earthquake. No, we're waiting for the trumpet to sound. But the enemy of God, it all began in the garden. That's where it all started. The devil was so mad and so upset because of the fact that he lost. He lost. He was, he was, he was wanting to be the, the, the head honcho, if you will. He wanted to be the boss. But anyway, this is, he has been fighting against the will and the plan of God, and the kingdom of God ever since the garden. He's doing a pretty good job of it, isn't he? He's a good devil. I mean that in a, you know, you know what I mean. He's doing, you couldn't find a devil better than him. He's a, he's, he, he, he is. Anyway, man's day is nearing the closing preordained plan of God that he, pre, he started it. God started back yonder before he made man. What's going to happen? Because he knows that his days, the devil knows his days are numbered. The powers of hell are increasing. Why do you think, I know I used to, believe it or not, I used to, I, I, I got this, this uh, opinion from somewhere that when the Lord died on Calvary, there was a party in hell. That the imps and the demons just shouted and had a big party and the devil was leading the parade because Jesus died. We killed him. No, I don't believe that for a moment. I don't think there was a party in hell. I think there was a very sad, gloomy feeling that overwhelmed hell because the devil had tried his best to keep Jesus from Calvary. He tried to kill him in Bethlehem by that wicked man the name of Herod. He tried all during his ministry to try to sidetrack him, try to get him to yield to temptation, try to get him to be crowned prematurely, try to get him to be killed by the people to throw him over a precipice and so on. He didn't want him to go to Calvary because he knew if he ever made it to Calvary, if he ever shed his blood on Calvary that stained that old rugged cross and caused a pool to be formed at the base of that cross, he knew the price would be paid. Redemption would be made. <laughs> and you and I could be set free and the kingdom could be established. Praise God. This kingdom is established not on political whims and ideas. It's established on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So he tried to keep him, and he couldn't do it. He is, he, is, he, is, he is hopping mad, and it's getting worse and worse. No previous generation that, than this one has witnessed what we are presently witnessing. Now, I'm old enough, and some of y'all, maybe two, I don't know, but, well, I know some of you are, but <laughs> I can remember back in the days of Mr. Nixon and, and Kennedy when they were competing to be president of the United States. Among the churches especially, there was such a fear because John Kennedy was a Catholic. Oh, we can't elect a Catholic. Pope will be telling us how to run our country. Well, you know, that, that was the, the, the kind of fear that we had. I wish we'd had that fear back anyway. Uh, the corruption is in, leader, in the leadership, the rise of, arrive, arising of uh, terrorist activities, the threat against religious There's something that's happened just recently. This, this Omar woman who made such uh, terrible remarks about the Jews, 
I think she was the one that made such, and, and it just, it, it stirred up some people, or at least they thought, they, they claimed they were stirred up. Anyway, it, it has resulted in them trying to pass a rule, a law, against hatred speech. That, I, I don't know what else to call it, hatred speech. You can't, well, you know, if you're not careful, we can back off and say, well, that's great. No, it's not. You know, that's great. They shouldn't be, uh, they shouldn't be criticizing. They should, she shouldn't be taught, downgrading and, and whatever, the Jews. So pass that law, that hatred law. No, no. You see, it won't stop with the Jews. It'll stop when we start talking about Mormons. It won't stop then when we start talking about the so-called Jehovah's Witnesses. It, it'll keep on. We won't be able to talk against the Trinity. And so, because we will, we will be classified as hatred speech. No, no. The more, more Washington rules that Washington makes, the worse it makes it on people that want to do right and just live their life and have everything all right. Am I, am I too much? But anyway, the persecution of Christians, I saw, and I tried to find it again, but I, I, scanning through some Facebook things, I saw where somebody had posted about how many millions of Christians had been killed by the Muslims, by Islamic terrorists. And I, I, I tried to find it again later because I thought, ooh, I, won't see, I want to see that Sunday. So I'll just have to say it by memory. 22 million, I believe is what they said. I don't know how many. I don't know how they figured out how many million. But in regardless of that, this Islamic terrorist activity, and to think we had a president was even, would not say Islamic terrorists. Thank God we got one now that can say it. But anyway, the advancement of technology enabling the people to be identified and numbered, the rise of anti-Semitism, I wonder if we could just stop and hesitate for a moment and close our ears to the world and its, its, its noise, if we couldn't hear in the distance hoofbeats, hoofbeats of the four horsemen. They're getting closer, folks. It's getting closer. If we're not right with God, we better, oh, my goodness, Lord, help me. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry, but, yeah, I am somewhat. Sorry in one way, but uh, Daniel said in chapter 12 and verse 1 of Daniel, Daniel says that, that Michael st will stand up at that time and the great prince that stands for the children of thy people, that is the Jews. And he said, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Jesus in Matthew 24 and 21, he spoke about a great tribulation. There shall be a great tribulation, a tribulation the great. Uh, such as not, was not since the beginning of the world that's coming in, in, in the future. Paul in the second Timothy chapter three speak about spoke about how there would be perilous times. And the word perilous there is interesting because uh, one reason it's interesting, Matthew eight and verse twenty eight, the same word is used, the same Greek word, but there it's translated fierce. In other words, it's a fierce time that's coming. Troubled times coming. We better be a hold of Jesus Christ and not turn loose. We better have a trust in the Lord and nothing less. In Revelation, but here's, here, let me hurry. In Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, listen to what it says. And, re, and let us rejoice. The seventh angel sounded. 
and there were great voices in heaven. Mm, I want my voice to be one of those. There was great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. <laughs> Hallelujah. That old proud, boast, egotistical fellow that's coming to the forefront in, in tomorrow, called uh, Paul's called him the man of sin, the son of petition. John referred to him as the beast. He is, he is the antichrist. He's opposed to everything that is Christ-like. He's the opposite. He's going to rise in power and authority, gather together, if you will, and seek to annihilate all the Jews, get them out of existence, as well as everybody else that does not agree with his policy. He's going to demand that they be numbered and put aside, if you will. He's coming, but uh, there's, there's, there's somebody else that's coming, and I'm running out of time. I shouldn't have brought this thing. I should have left it in my club, my office. But anyway, anyway, whew. you know this 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 to me is is I don't understand it, but yet I do. You know the the devil said back there in the book of Luke, or back of Isaiah rather, that Luke, Isaiah recorded how the devil said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna be above the stars of God. My throne's gonna be above God's throne. I'm I'm I'm." But the Lord says, "No, you're gonna be brought down to hell. All you that control and, and destroyed and, and brought havoc to the to the countries. Can I can I have three more? What what time is it? I I had a, I had to stop what? No, it's oh, it's just a little after eleven, isn't it? Just a little after ten, isn't it? <laughs> Woo, glory, hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Amen. <laughs> what did somebody say? But anyway, did somebody say? Well, anyway. In Luke chapter 1, verse 33, the, the angel Gabriel went to this uh, virgin, this young lady, probably a teenager, to tell her that she was going to bear the Son of God. And listen to what he said to her, the fifth kingdom. He said, he shall reign, speaking of Jesus, he shall reign over the house of Jacob, over the house of Israel. How long? My, my. And of his kingdom there shall be... <laughs> It's going to last 70 years like Babylon. No, 500 years like Greece. No, 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 no. It, there shall be no end. There shall be no end. The king is coming. Amen. And, and, and of course. But anyway, there's some verses in Revelation to me is so uh, interesting. In Revelation 13 and 7, it says that speaking of uh, the beast and whatever, he, it shall be given to him to make war against the saints. In chapter 17, verse 14, these shall make war with the lamb. Can you imagine that? Here is this, this, this demon-infested man whom the devil, is, the devil himself, Satan himself, is embodying. And this allowed him to rise to this position of power and authority. And he said, I'm going to fight against the lamb. I'm going to do what couldn't be done. 19 and 19, it says that I saw the beast, the kings of the earth. And listen, he got every one of them now. He saw the beast, the kings of the earth, their armies gathered together. What? To make war against him 
that sat on the horse. Who is that? <laughs> if you went back to verse 11 of chapter 19, it says, John said, the heavens were open. The Lord, he saw the Lord coming. He was riding on a white horse. He's got a bunch of crowns on his heads because, head because he is king of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. A sword issues from his mouth, but, but also John says behind him is, are the armies of heaven, is the armies of heaven, and they're riding on white horses, and they're clothed in white linen. Mm-hmm. If I went back in chapter 11, uh, 19, about verse 8 or somewhere like that, it says that this white linen is the righteousness of the saints. Oh, so I'm going to ride a horse one of these days. Even though the last one I tried to ride, I fell off of. But (laughs) we're on the victory side, folks. Look up. The king's coming and I got to go. Ain't God good. You're wanting to say, I can tell it by the looks. (laughs) Oh, He's still probably in, the, in the, the pastor of Mississippi. That's where they said he was. Of, of course. It might be at the bottom, but it's there. <laughs> Always back in the 60s where I heard it. <laughs> yeah. Preacher said I got proof from five different sources. He'd ate too, eaten too many beans or something, but. Uh-huh. Right, right. Amen. No, no, right. Yes, sir. 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 Amen. Amen. No way. No, sir. No, sir. We get somewhat nervous, I guess we can say, because look look, look what's happened now with silly Pelosi and passing all these kind of silly laws, crazy laws, stupid laws, and whatever, trying to... I've never seen anybody. I've never seen... I've been around a few presidents, and I'm not trying to be political here. I'm not, as I said at General Conference some time ago, I hope you're not a Democrat. I hope you're not a Republican. I hope you're a child of God. That needs to be the most important thing. But anyway, uh, when, I, when I realize what's happening and is going to happen, I've never seen, I've never seen uh, a pres- any president, even Jimmy Carter. Uh, I've never seen even, even uh, o- Obama. I've never seen any president so hated and so so many people so wanting to cut his head off almost. 
But anyway, pray for him. Not because of who he is, but for what he is. Pray for the office. Pray for, I pray for him every day. I, practically, I guess I could say. Uh, I start every day I pray, and I pray every day. But anyway, I'm going to hush. But I was, there's one more. Can I say, refer to one more passage in the book of Micah, chapter 4. Chapter 4, Micah. Listen to what my, Micah is. He's prophesying about the end when it's, when it's all done, when it's all over with. When that old man of sin, that beast and the false prophet are thrown in the lake of fire, according to Revelation 19 and 20. And later in chapter 20 and verse 10, when that devil himself, Satan himself, is taken from the abyss and then taken again and thrown into the lake of fire to join the company with the beast and the false prophet when it's all over with. And the throne has been set up, if you, or the judgment seat's been set up. The books are open. And the Bible says in chapter 20, verse 15, whosoever is not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire when it's all over with. This earth has been renovated, burned up, and renewed, and whatever. Hallelujah. And there's new heavens and a new earth. Worry, and Peter said, dwelleth righteousness. The king's going to be reigning. Praise God. Praise God. There's going to be, Paul referred to it as the, 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 the dispensation of the fullness of the age. And when the king's going to rise, it's, you can't find it? Oh, okay. Micah chapter 4, verse 1 says, In the last days it shall come to pass the mountain, that is the kingdom, of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the kingdoms, and it shall be exalted above the little, little, little states, if you will, and countries, and people shall flow unto it. Verse 2 says, listen to this, Many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the kingdom of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He, that is Jesus Christ, will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth. Mm of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Thank God for the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.